Welcome to Theories of the Third Kind. Welcome to Theories of the Third Kind. My name is Aaron, and I am one of your hosts today. There's another host that is joining me, Daniel Sun. Yo, what's up? Now, real quick, before we start today's episode, I just want to state, no AI programs were used or harmed in the creation of this episode. The research for this show and all of its work was created solely by humans. So if you would like to support the show, then there's a few ways that you could do that. One of the ways is Patreon. Each week, we release a Patreon-exclusive episode that only Patreon supporters can get access to. To sign up, it's only $5 a month, which is only 16 cents a day. Not only do you get an extra episode per week for that $5, but you also get access to our entire back catalog of past Patreon episodes. Now, to see this full list of Patreon episodes, you can go to our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com. You can click on the Patreon Episodes tab, and there will be an entire list of Patreon-exclusive episodes that we have previously published that have no ads at all. Now, if you can't afford a Patreon membership, but you want to help us out, then you can leave us a written review on iTunes or Spotify, and that helps us out a lot. However, don't feel pressure to leave us one. If you don't want to, then that's fine. We just want you guys, girls, aliens, reptilians, Bigfoot, Sasquatches, Chupacabras, ghosts, Illuminati members, underground lizard people, whoever or whatever you are, to enjoy the show. So for today's episode, we have Strange News 4. 4. Quattro. Yep. Where we discuss odd, bizarre, mysterious, strange news that the mainstream media is not covering. Or they just covered it a little bit and moved on. With that being said, do you have any questions before we start today's episode? I do not. All right, well, let's get into today's episode. Who goes first? You'll go first this time. Okay. Unless you want to roll the dice. No, I'll go first. I don't mind. All right. So our first strange news topic that we're going to talk about today involves a strange metallic object that was discovered in New Jersey. So on Monday, May 8th, at around 12.30 p.m., there's this woman named Susie Cop. And she was in her New Jersey home just chilling, laying on her couch, enjoying her day, when all of a sudden she heard a giant crash upstairs. Initially, her kids were like, what the f*** was that? She was like, I don't know. I think, you know, maybe some local kids or something threw a rock through my window or something like that. So her family went upstairs and went into the room where they heard this loud crash at. And they looked around the room and initially... They didn't see anything, but then they noticed in the corner of the room, there was a black rock. Well, they didn't know it was a rock at the time. It looked like a black potato and it was just chilling in the corner. So Susie was like, what the hell is this? And she went over there and picked it up. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was hot to the touch. And she was like, that's very odd. And then she noticed that it went through her roof hit her wooden floor, destroyed a piece of it, jumped up again, hit her ceiling, went down, hit her wooden floor again, destroying another piece of it, going back up, hitting her ceiling again, and then went down and settled in one portion. So it was like a flubber. Just kept going up and down. Dang. So Susie ended up calling the police, and she was like, hey, uh, this weird black potato just <laughs> fell from the sky. It's warm to the touch. I don't know what it is. And the police were like, okay, let us make some phone calls. So they ended up calling their hazmat crew because initially they were thinking maybe it's radioactive. So they sent their hazmat crew out there. Their hazmat crew brought some Geiger Mueller counters with them. You're familiar with those? I am familiar with those. They surveyed the area. There's no radiation. So they were like, okay, it's not radioactive. You're good to go. <laughs> they left. So she's like, I don't know what the hell to do with this rock. So uh, she ended up getting with an individual at the College of New Jersey, and they ended up picking it up and studying it. And then a few days later, on Thursday, May 11th, they determined that the six-inch by four-inch object 
that weighed about 2.2 pounds was a rare meteorite. So what happened is that this rare meteorite fell from outer space and landed into her guest room, hit her floors, messed them all up, and uh, I actually have pictures of this meteorite. And you can clearly see in the first photograph where it looks like a burnt potato, you look up, you can see where it screwed her wooden floors up at. That thing does look like a burnt potato. But then, yeah, you can see the floorboard behind it is destroyed pretty much. Yeah. And it's not until you turn the rock over that you can clearly see, okay, hey, this is not a potato. It's a meteorite. But still, I mean, if I was walking along a gravel road, there'd be no way I'd know that that was a meteorite. No, not at all. I would think it'd probably a piece of charcoal. Yeah. So that right there is our first news article. I hope you enjoyed it. I did. I think I would have called the insurance company probably right after police. Do you think they cover meteorite damage? I don't know. I mean, it would be considered an act of God, right? Yeah. Because one time when I was driving my Saturn Vu to work, a semi clipped a deer and laid it like halfway down and I didn't have enough time to swerve. And I ran right over that son of a bitch. And he took my entire undercarriage like out from underneath my vehicle. So I ended up calling the guy at work that I was supposed to, you know, relieve. And I was like, hey, man, I just hit a deer. I think I'm going to be into work. He's like, well, why'd you do that? Damn, man, I didn't mean to fucking do it on purpose. The damn deer jumped out in front of me. Anyway, so yeah, they, uh, they ruled it an act of God. It was covered. Well, yeah, maybe they will consider this an act of God. I mean, lightning striking your house and burning up your electronics. That's an act of God. Happened to me. It almost happened to our freaking Rode Procaster 2 the other day. We were on a Skype, or no, not Skype. Uh, it was a Zoom call. And a storm rolling through, big old lightning strike right next to our place, and our road uh, procaster just boop, shut off. And we we're like, shit, there it goes. But nope, it's working fine, as you can tell. All right, Dan, so what news article do you have for us this week? All right, so what I have, it's a short one, but it is hilarious. So for the news article that I found, I actually was doing research for the Michael Rockefeller uh, document for the episode for that. Are you pronouncing that last name correctly? Rockefeller? Yes. <laughs> I got so much shit for mispronouncing it. Oh my God. Yeah, but uh, as I was searching for him, any information on him, I saw at the very bottom of this site that I was looking at, and I saw the image, and I'm just like, no, there is no possible way that this was real, but it was. So on May 2nd, so not too long ago, an article was published about an iceberg that was floating towards Canada. So, I mean, you hear an iceberg, you're like, that's nothing unusual, right? Well, a photographer by the name of Ken Pretty, who is from the Newfoundland town of, stick with me here, Dildo. It's a real town name. It's a real town name. Like I said, stick with me here. All right. Now, he captured a picture of an explicit phallus-looking iceberg. A dick-shaped iceberg? Was this the iceberg heading towards the town? This was the iceberg that was heading towards the town of Dildo. <laughs> okay. They described this as the suggestive berg consists of a column with a domed head protruding up from two oval rafts of ice. Well, okay. You got any photographs of this phallus? I do. And if you take a look at the document, boop. Yeah, that's an iceberg, Dick. Yes, it is. And it gets even better than that. Oh, God. They actually named this iceberg the Dicky Berg. Who's they? I guess the people of the town. Okay. As it was floating towards Canada, it was actually heading towards the Conception Bay. Wow. Can't make this up. Yep. So sadly, this uh, 30-foot phallus was making its way, but it only lasted a day after that photo was taken. It kind of melted and kind of went flaccid. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, man. That's a big old phallus. It was. Like I said, it was a short, uh, short little strange news article, but I saw it and I had to throw it in here. Well, thank you for that, Dan. I appreciate your commitment to such excellent journalism. You are more than welcome. All right. You can save that image for later. I certainly will. Thank you. So I guess let's uh, get on to our next strange news article, which is about some 
spirals over Alaska. So on the early morning of Saturday, April 15th, 2023, an individual named Todd Sallett. So he was at Delta Junction, Alaska, taking photographs of the northern lights. All of a sudden, something very odd appeared in the skies above him. He was like, what the hell is that? Of course, nobody was around, though he was talking to himself. It was a gigantic light baby blue spiral that resembled a galaxy, and it appeared right near the aurora of Borealis. Ooh. Now, now this spiral lasted for a few minutes, and then it disappeared. But Todd was able to capture a photograph of it before it disappeared. What do you think of that? It almost looks unreal, but then again, it... I don't know. That's pretty, some pretty good Photoshop if it's real. That's what I initially thought. I thought, okay, Todd, uh, he's really good at Photoshop. However, at the same exact time, in Fairbanks, Alaska, an individual named Christopher Hayden looked into the sky and witnessed the same exact spiral. And he also decided to take a photograph of it. And we have that photo. Now, that one is a little more strange because... You can see in the center of it, it has that uh, weird twirl. Yeah, you can actually see, uh, I guess, the little center point. Yeah. So initially, of course, a lot of people in Alaska were talking about this spiral. They all got up that next morning and they're like, hey, did you see that crazy shit in the sky? They're like, yeah, yeah, I did. A lot of photographs started being posted on like Twitter and other social medias. And then eventually the government and SpaceX made an announcement. SpaceX had actually launched a rocket off from the Space Force base in California on Friday night. The rocket was carrying about 25 satellites on board as its payload. They also stated that the spiral was formed due to the SpaceX rocket releasing excess fuel that it was carrying while in the atmosphere. This fuel that was released turned into ice, and then the water vapor reflected the sunlight in the upper atmosphere. And that is what supposedly caused this weird-ass spiral. So fuel. They're blaming fuel for this. Yeah, so they're saying, hey, we shot off a rocket to release more satellites into space. It was carrying too much fuel. You know what? F*** the environment. We're releasing that shit in that atmosphere where all you motherfuckers breathe. We don't give a shit. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. Would that mean, I mean, it turned to ice, though, but it will fall down. Would that be flammable at all? I don't know. You want to test it out? We're going to shoot a rocket up and then release some fuel? Yeah, Michael's, that hobby store, sells those little little bitty baby rockets. I don't know. But hey, it's SpaceX, it's Elon, it's the government. Can't question them. Yeah. I came across another weird thing uh, that on April 14th, Another rocket was launched, and the ESA, which is the European Space Agency, they're the one that launched this rocket for its eight-year journey to Jupiter. Now, the ESA is calling this mission JUICE, which stands for Jupiter Icy Moons Explorer, which is a mission to explore the gas giant and its icy moons. I don't know why I mentioned that, but hey, there you go. If you're a fan of Jupiter, they're going to go explore it for you. I mean, that's a pretty badass mission name. Hey, what do you think about uh, Mission Juice that we just did uh, the other day? <laughs> what are you talking about, man? Mission Juice. Oh, Jupiter Icy Moons Explorer. Yeah, not O.J. Simpson murdering people. All right, Dan. So what's this next strange news article you got for us? I nicknamed this one Mamma Mia. Oh, okay. So this next article that I have here is something that happened in New Jersey. Recently, Old Bridge, New Jersey, alongside of Iresic Brook, I believe that's the name, there was a recent case of somebody going there and dumping stuff, which they said that it's not really weird for things to be dumped in the woods near there. But this time they found something very unusual. During the first week of May, workers in Old Bridge were just going along the road, doing whatever they do, probably picking up the trash and such, keeping it nice where they stumbled upon the brook. And as they looked, they noticed that there were big piles of this. It looked like worms at first. Okay. Hey, 
Free fishing bait, baby. You know what I'm talking about? Free fishing bait. But as they got closer, they realized it was pasta. They described it as it being about 15 wheelbarrow loads of pasta. Whoa, that's a lot of pasta. Yeah. They said it was illegal dumped pasta along a creek in a residential neighborhood. I mean, you think of wheelbarrows. They hold a lot, right? Yeah. But pasta-wise, that's a shit ton of pasta, okay? Who the hell is just out there dumping out pasta? The residents say they know who did it and that that's not the one thing that they should be focusing on because they're too focused on what they nicknamed Pastagate. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Okay. But they need to be more focused on Old Bridge for the fact that they don't do bulk garbage pickup. And that's the reason why all these noodles were dumped there. Ooh, I wonder if this noodle dumping is kind of like a protest against that, against the city. It could be, which I do have a photo of the noodles. And it's a variety of noodles. There's spaghetti noodle, elbow macaroni noodles, pretty much probably almost any type of noodle that you want. That is so much pasta. They believe it was about 300 to 400. I think even someone said it was like 500 pounds of pasta. But there was a major question they wanted to know. Could the animals eat it? I mean, they probably could. Oh. But no, that's not the question. The question was, was the pasta cooked or uncooked before it was dumped? (laughs) They said it was uncooked. That since it being by the brook, it absorbed the moisture and it became all soggy. But yeah, it took uh, about an hour to clean up all this pasta. That's it? An hour? That's it. Just an hour. It would have taken me days. Yeah. And just like your uh, strange news article where they named it Mission Juice, they gave this one a funny name. Mission Impostable. My God. Hold on. What about its other nickname? Did they just forget about it? Postigate? Yeah, they kind of just forgot about that one. Uh, I like that one better. No, Mission Impossible might have been the government's name for it. Then the people of the town probably called it Postigate. Did the person who dumped this pasta get in trouble? No, they didn't get in trouble. But I did find out kind of who it was. It was a resident of the town. It was a guy's mother that passed away. And he, I guess, was going through her house cleaning things out. And supposedly all this pasta came from her damn cabinets. She was a hoarder of pasta? I'm guessing so. Maybe she was Italian. Maybe. Well, again, thank you, Dan, for bringing such quality and honor to journalism. I bring you the best. Best of the best, man. I love it. Hey, speaking of pasta and long, stringy-looking, wiggly things, let's talk about our next strange news article, okay? Along a 200-mile stretch on Oregon's north shoreline, individuals are starting to notice weird fish on the shores, and they think they're like mythical creatures because of how weird they look. So less than a month ago, on April 28th, a woman named Miranda Crowell, she was walking along the beach in northern Oregon, minding her own business, had her headphones in, she was listening to the Spice Girls, when all of a sudden, she stumbled upon something strange. A four-foot-long fish with big-ass fangs and huge eyes was just right in front of her, dead. So, she decided to pop her phone out and her titty. What a time to be alive. And she snapped some photographs of this creature. And then she posted them online and said, Hey, anybody know what type of fish this is? And I have those photographs right here. Have you ever seen a fish like that? No, I haven't. It almost looks like an eel. It looks like an eel and a mackerel. An eel and a mackerel had a baby. Yeah. And a bluefish. And maybe like a shad. So this was a mutt of a fish, like muttfish. Well, she didn't know what type of fish it was. And when she posted it online, a lot of other people were like, I don't know what the hell that is. Well, a few weeks later, a lot more people who were walking up that 200-mile stretch of that Oregon coastline started seeing these wash up on shore, which is really strange because the NOAA fisheries of the West Coast region, they were getting flooded with requests of like, what the hell is this? Eventually, they ended up notifying everyone, hey, this is a lancet fish. Now, the strange thing about this fish, it lives in tropical areas and they travel as far as north as areas such as like Alaska to feed. Now, 
they have like a gelatinous flesh, so people really don't eat them. I mean, I'm sure there's people out there that do eat this fish, but it's not popular like haddock, cod, bass, anything like that. And I know what you're wondering. I mean, it's a lot of dead fish. Fish die all the time. What's the big deal? Besides these fish being tropical fish, they're also deep sea fish, meaning that these fish stay deep, deep, deep in the ocean. There should be no reason why they're washing up on shores. Some scientists kind of like theorized, oh, they're chasing, you know, bait fish and the bait fish lead them to shallower water and then they get caught up in the waves and they don't know how to swim back out. I'm like, eh, it's bullshit. I don't think that's, I don't think that's the case. Even more ridiculous is the other explanation they have is that they were chasing fish and the little minnow went up to the top and it goes up to get the minnow, misses it, jumps out of the water. And while it is out of the water in midair, a seagull comes by, picks it up, and carries it, and then drops it on the beach. So, you know the probability of that happening is like zero? Yeah, considering how many, there were more than one. Yeah, a ton. It's obviously not the case of what's going on. Something else is. And the NOAA fishery was like, hey, if anybody else sees any more of these fish, please take photographs and remember the location where you're at and send that information to us. So they're still gathering all this information up to figure out what is happening with these fish. My guess is that the United States military is testing sub, like subsonic underwater weapons or something. That's just my guess. Or maybe, hey, the environment is collapsing and these fish are all pissed off because their penis glacier floated away. And they're like, damn it, I missed my penis glacier, and they all commit suicide, which is never the option, okay? I mean. Could be that. I figure something like happened at the bottom of the seafloor or in that area caused them to. But that's not their typical area where they stay. That's a part of their whole like migration route. So maybe something disturbed that route at the bottom of the ocean. I don't know. Maybe it's the damn drones, the UFO drones down there, you know? Yeah, maybe uh, that uh, mobile thing from the. Oh, from our episode of uh, UFO sightings too? Yeah, that mobile thing that makes the UFOs. Maybe that got all these fish? Possibly. Okay. So yeah, that right there is uh, what's going on in Oregon. I mean, that's a weird looking fish though. Yeah, it is. Sort of looks like a barracuda now that I look at it some more. A little bit. And that, I noticed that it has a really big fin on top. Like when you look up pictures of it. Oh yeah. Yeah, it does. That thing's actually kind of scary. If I was in the water and I saw that coming towards me, I think I'd probably freak out a little bit. All right, Dan, so what do you have for us for our next news article? All right, I know my other ones were all like funny ones. So I kind of went a little bit more professional on this one. Okay, let's hear it. So this next article is from April, and it's about birds. You know how people believe that the birds are fake and they're all drones? Yes. Well, this kind of confirms some of that. In New Mexico, scientists are taking birds that have been preserved through taxidermy and converting them into drones. Who's doing this? Scientists in New Mexico. Who are these scientists connected with? Are they just independent scientists? Are they government-hired scientists? They don't say. Ah. So I'm guessing they're independent. But then again, government could be funding it. Who knows? Yeah, true. But these scientists say they're doing this in order to study flight. That if they can understand the formation and flight patterns of flocks, this can be applied to the aviation industry to save more energy and fuel. But they're drones. They're drones, but the way the birds fly is their purpose for these drones. I guess they're trying to copy the exact way birds fly. Okay, cool. Even though I feel like this would make them heavier and harder to fly. Reading more into it, they also believe a bird's color, as they thought of it before though, was that the bird's color was to attract like the opposite sex. Yeah. Which in some case it is. Eclectus, the female, is red. The male is green. Anyway, go ahead, sorry. No, you're good. See, that's good information. Knowledge. Knowledge. Now, and some of them use it as camouflage, right? Well, they actually say that's probably not the case anymore. They say they determine that their flight efficiency is determined by the bird's color. How does a color determine how fast and efficient a bird flies? That's what I wondered. And they said, we've done experiments and determined that for our fixed wing aircrafts, applying a certain color can change the flight efficiency. And this is the same for birds. 
that, depending on its color, flies better. That's very strange. Yeah, but uh, so these taxidermy bird drone prototypes that they have, the only problem is they only last, what did it say last? They only fly for about 20 minutes before they kind of fall down and crash. So their next stage in this process is to figure out how to make them fly longer. And once they do that, they want to put these birds to the test by making them fly along the wild birds in nature to blend in to see how well it goes. Those wild birds are going to 100% be able to know that that's not normal. Do you think uh, AI is going to eventually do this? They're going to hide in the shadows and then eventually they're going to be like, hey, we need to learn more about humans. Let's make some and then try to blend in. What's to say they haven't done that already? What's to say you aren't an AI? Interlinked. <laughs> Interlinked. Uh, have you seen that movie? It's, uh, what the hell is it called? It's about this couple that go and look at this house and it's all green. All the houses are green and um, they can't escape the town and the little baby boy is brought to them and they have to raise it and the baby boy acts weird as shit. No, I've not seen that. Vivarium. Vivarium. I've heard of it, but never seen it. 100% watch it. So good. I'll add that to the list. Yeah. But if you want to see what the bird drone looks like, I do have an image on it that I will share. It looks so real, doesn't it? <laughs> it looks like a really bad taxidermy bird. I mean, that's probably why they donated them. They're just like, ah, these don't look that good. Here, yeah, you can use these. Hmm. Well, it looks like they're slowly making their way towards creating bird drones. Exactly. I mean, they want to test it and have it fly among the wild birds. So, you know, real ones might not exist. So birds are fake sooner or later. Yep, eventually. Well, thank you for that article, Dan. You're welcome. All right. So I guess let's move on to the next one. What you got for us? This one is my favorite article. And this incident occurred in Germany. So a little over a week ago, on May 5th, there was a cyclist who was just riding his bike. And where he was biking at, uh, there was a forest nearby. And he was just going along. And all of a sudden, he heard somebody way, way in the forest go, help, help. So he keeps pedaling. And he's like, that's weird. What the hell was that? And he hears it again. Help, help. So he's like, holy shit. Somebody's in the forest, probably lost. So he calls the police and notifies them. Now, at the same time, there's a hunter in the forest. And he also heard that person yell, help, help. And he ended up calling the police as well. So the police end up going to the forest and they search the area. And they come across a guy on top of a deer stand. And he is fully tied up, hands behind his back, legs behind his back, all tied together, pretty much hog tied. Okay. And he's like, oh, so glad y'all are here. I've been tied up for the past two days. And the police were like, who did this to you? And he's like, well, I don't really want to say. They're like, look, you really should tell us. He's like, okay. So two days prior, well, the weekend prior, this 51-year-old man went online and started chatting with a girl on a chat room, which, I mean, you always hear about this stuff happening in chat rooms, right? It's like, do they even exist anymore? So he ends up chatting with her, and she's like, hey, I want to tie you up course you know he's like hell yeah and she's like i want to tie you up in the forest you know anywhere i could tie you up at and he's like hell yeah i got a deer stand nearby she's like great i'll meet you there in a few days so they end up agreeing to a time but before he meets her he ends up placing a uh, box cutter in his back pocket just in case something goes down he can shank her or cut himself out well cut himself out and then shank her you know, probably not Shanker, but just cut himself out. So she ended up tying him up at the top of the deer stand, and then she got a phone call. And then she hung up on the phone and looked at him and said, I got to go. See ya. And leaves. He's like, hey, hey, come back. And she just walks away. And he spends the next two nights just chilling in the forest. And then eventually he's found. So the police are like, hey, do you have any information about this woman? Is there anything you can tell us about her so we can track her down? And he's like, I'm no snitch. That's all you're going to get, bitch. Really? That, he's like, that's it. You're not going to know anything more. That's it. I'm done. I'm done talking to you. And he didn't give up her name. And that's that. You think he was probably hoping for a second date? I don't know, man. Maybe he was into that type of thing. Getting tied up and left out in the middle of nowhere. That'd be scary. 
Do you know what type of deer stand this was? Was it one on the ground or was it one like up in the air? Every time I envision a deer stand, it's one of the ones that you have to like climb up a ladder and it's like a little bitty chair on top of a tree or on the side of a tree. I don't know what his was. Obviously, it was big enough for two people to stand on for her to tie him up and then leave him laying there. I mean, they do have big tree stands like that, but then they have the blinds that go on the ground. I like to envision that it was like one of those tall ones that he's just like up in the air, like, hey, down there, <laughs> I need to, can yeah. you tie me? So to piggyback off that one, oh, I have one, I can't say it's similar. It's weird, but it piggybacks kind of off that. So this news article that I found is someone's unusual stay at a Hilton hotel. Okay. First of all, how many times in your life have you stayed at a Hilton? I don't think I ever have. Never? I don't think so. Okay. Have you? I don't know. I assume so. I mean, I just try to avoid the hotels that look like I'm going to, you know. Get murdered? Have a dick come through the wall or something. Hey, you going to suck this boy? No, seriously. I try to not go to those. Eh. I've been to some questionable hotels, especially in Florida. I had one that had bed bugs and the owner didn't believe me. So I took my shirt off in the lobby and I'm like, what are these? And there's bites on me and stuff. Anyway, sorry, continue with your story. All right, before we get into that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. All right, welcome back. So on March 30th, there was a guy staying at a Hilton hotel named Peter Brennan. He was from Texas, and he was staying at the Hilton Downtown Hotel in Nashville overnight for a work conference. And I guess he flew to Nashville, Tennessee for a work conference. Okay. Now, he went to the work conference and everything, went great. So he ended up going back to his hotel room, get some peaceful sleep, until he was interrupted at 5 a.m. in the morning. That is when he noticed that there was someone at the end of his bed sucking on his toe. (laughs) God dang. Okay. That person would be a man named Neil, a 52-year-old night manager of the Hilton Hotel. Neil said he smelled smoke coming from Peter's room, so he made a copy of his room key and let himself in. Now, when Peter woke up, there was no smoke in the room. It was just only Neil sucking on his toe. Okay? Now... (laughs) No, continue. Sorry. Now, this is what gets me. Peter's first reaction was, who are you? Why are you in my room? What the hell are you doing here? I think I would have started swinging. I don't know, man. You wake up. My brain isn't fully functional in the morning. I don't even know who I am sometimes or where I'm at or what I'm doing. Takes a good like minute for my brain to kick on. I mean, I guess that's true. The grogginess. But yeah, so he asked those questions and All Peter could really see was Neil was wearing a uniform and his name tag that had his name Neil on it. Well, Neil kind of scampered out of the room. Peter called the cops. They had this like whole big thing go on. Then Neil was arrested. They charged him with aggravated uh, burglary and assault. Assault for sucking toes. He deserves life in prison for that. Peter said that he would be suing Neil and the Hilton Hotel, but the Hilton Company was just like, no, 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 Peter. Not going to happen. This is independently owned and operated by a third party, which that means that there are no actual Hilton employees at this hotel. So you can't really sue us for that. So yeah, he was just like, all right, we'll see how that goes, which I think he's still in the process of suing them and Neil, which he is now in jail. And yeah, I have a picture of Neil there for you to see. He looks like a real toe sucker. Yeah, I was going to say, 
when I think of people that suck toes, it's exactly what I see. The only thing he's missing, googly eye. Think so. What does he have one? Oh, I don't know. That's his mugshot. He's just like, it's like, damn, got caught again. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, in jail, I'm sure he can go around sucking plenty of toes. People let him do it. So give me them toes. All right. Well, thank you for another excellent article, Dan. You're welcome. Now, this is not something that's happened here recently, but something that I came across that I was like, hey, maybe we should talk about it. Now, have you ever heard of Cloud9 before? Isn't that like a esports team? I think so. But that's not what I'm talking about. Oh. I'm talking about a psychoactive drug that's also called methylene dioxypyrovalerone. That's a big word. It is a big word. AKA Cloud9. So this Cloud9 is a synthetic drug which was first developed in 1969. Nice. And no one really cared about it. However, when individuals discovered that this clear liquid with a fruity scent could be smoked or mixed in drinks, and that it was 10 times stronger than cocaine, but it also gave you the same relaxation as marijuana, it became extremely popular. In 2004, Cloud9 became a popular designer drug in the United States. You had convenience stores, you had gas stations, smoke shops, everybody. You had granny on the side of the street selling it. And they would label it as high-quality bath salts, which I'm sure you're familiar with those, right? Yes. Well, not that I do them, no. I've heard about them. Yeah. So when it comes to scientific research, very little is known about Cloud9 and how it interacts with the brain. However, they do know one certain thing, and this was all because of what happened in 2011, and this was the height of its popularity of Cloud9s. There was a wide range of unpredictable symptoms that were starting to be reported by people who took it including multiple reports of suicide, unexplained deaths, violent outbursts, and even cannibalism. However, news stations rarely covered it. They never talked about it. One year later, that all changed on May 26, 2012. Before we get into that, we're going to take a break. It's our last one, so don't go nowhere. All right, welcome back. On that day, an individual in Miami, Florida, named Rudy Eugene, attacked and ate the face off of Ronald Popo. So during this shocking attack, Eugene chewed up most of Ronald's face, including his left eye. The event lasted for over 18 minutes until Eugene was shot to death by a police officer. Now, Ronald did survive the attack, but of course he needed massive facial reconstructive surgery. After the event, the police held a press conference and speculated that Rudy might have been high on bath salts during the attack. And I mean, that speculation was out of nowhere. They'd done no tests or anything. They were like, yeah, he's probably high on bath salts. So this caused the media to run wild with that speculation, stating that bath salts were the cause of a zombie-type outbreak. But what they don't tell you is that a few days later, the toxicology report of Rudy came back and there was only traces of marijuana that was found in his system. There was no bath salts. But, of course, the media didn't backtrack their story. They already got their clicks, you know? So at the end of that month, in May of 2012, there was an individual named Alexander and he confessed to cannibalizing his roommate. In the same week, Wayne Carter stabbed himself repeatedly, then threw his skin and intestines at police officers. In both cases, the men were stated to be under the influence of Cloud9, a.k.a. bath salts. This is the police stating this in these conferences, by the way. A few days later, on June 2nd, 2012, a homeless man in Miami named Brandon DeLeon, he began yelling obscenities at two North Miami police officers. He was like, you pigs. He was arrested and then tried to bite the hand of one of the police officers. A conference was held, well, a press conference was held, and they stated he was under the influence of bath salts, a.k.a. Cloud9. Four days later, on June 6th, 2012, 
a man named Carl, attacked another individual named Todd at his home. Carl bit the face of Todd until he was subdued with wasp spray and forced to retreat. It was stated that Carl was under the influence of Cloud Nine and gave bath salts. That same month, in June of 2012, a 22-year-old man named Michael Daniel allegedly took Cloud Nine in his Waco, Texas home and then went crazy. He began to bark like a dog, then went over to his neighbor's house, took his neighbor's 40-pound dog and ate it. All. All 40 pounds. I don't know how he did it. Don't ask me. I'm not a dog eater. That's pretty impressive, I guess. Yeah. And this continues. A month later, in July of 2012, another man named Carl ended up running onto a golf course in Georgia. And, of course, the police were called. The police stated that the man threatened to eat them. They held a press conference and stated that Carl was under the influence of Carl. God damn it, Dan. That Carl was under the influence of Cloud Nine, a.k.a. bath salts. This is a serious topic here. People are getting their faces eaten, Dan. All right, so shortly after that, in July of 2012, the U.S. federal drug policy was amended to ban the drugs commonly found in bath salts. Also, the availability of Cloud Nine was halted in many countries around the world. And that fall of 2012, Canada ended up putting it in the same category as, you know, as heroin and cocaine. So there you go. A concerted effort by the police departments to get Cloud Nine, aka bath salts, banned. Now my skin is no longer soft because I have no bath salts to use while I bathe. Is that the same thing? No, I don't think it is. <laughs> I don't think it is. But yeah, there you go. I remember hearing that story on the news. They never said Cloud Nine. They just always stated that it was bath salts. And I remember that Florida one. Did he like eat his, eat the guy's face, I guess Ronald's face, on a bridge or something? I think so. It was like on a street or something like that. Yeah. I remember hearing that on the news way back. Yeah, me too. You want to do some bath salt? I got some. I'm just kidding. I don't have any. All right. So tell us about this next article you got, Dan. All right. So this next article that I have is from 2017. And after I read it, kind of just like the phallus iceberg, I had to add this one on here. It is not about phalluses, though. But okay. it's just, just as outrageous, I think. All right. Touche. So back in 2017 in Colorado Springs, Colorado, a neighborhood has been bombed multiple times by, I'm just going to call him the ninja bomber. I don't know what else to call him. With like an actual bomb, like a pipe bomb? Nope. There was a woman jogger who they had started calling Shirley, had been terrorizing residents of the neighborhood by stopping during her morning runs and literally taking a dump on their lawns. Why? Nobody knew. All they knew was that they knew they had been attacked when they saw toilet paper left on their lawn and turned. Hold on. They're saying attacked. The lady took a shit on your lawn, okay? It's not an attack on you. Now, she took a shit at you or threw it at you. They, yeah, it's an attack on you, but it's your lawn, man. She's fertilizing it. Hey, they, she attacked their lawn. They might have already had really nice grass. Who knows? But yeah, they said that she was terrorizing them, attacking their attacking them by pooping in their yard. Now, no one knew really who it was because they couldn't really get a good picture of her. She only pooped in their yards, but she didn't do it like out of sight, though. Even when kids were playing outside, as she's running, she would stop, drop her pants, drop a deuce. What would you do if you saw somebody just jog across here and just stop and take a shit and just turn and look right through your window of your front door and stare at you while she's taking a shit? I'd probably start laughing because I'd think of a dog because they, when they poop. <laughs> I mean, I'd probably be in shock. Just like, is someone really doing that? Yeah. Ugh. But yeah, so residents, you know, they knew they were attacked when they saw toilet paper and a pile of shit pretty much on their lawn. But no one could really figure out who it was until later that year, in 2017, a spokesperson came forward saying that, oh, I represent this person that they named Shirley. He stated that she said she is sorry for desecrating people's lawns, but that she cannot be held accountable as she is suffering from a traumatic brain injury. He added that she had also had gender reassignment surgery and as a result is no longer able to control herself. Okay. Like I said, this person came forward saying that he was representing her. 
she never came forward and said that she this person was. So could have been someone just coming forward, just making shit up. He also claimed that her actions are protected under the First Amendment. Therefore, the government cannot control when and where she relieves herself and that her actions are comparable to the actions of another woman breastfeeding in public. I think that's a little different. You're breastfeeding, you're feeding the baby, they got to eat. Yep. And of course, like defense attorneys and all that were making statements saying, yeah, that's not the same. You know, pooping in someone's yard, that's kind of like indecent exposure. And breastfeeding is actually, you know, like you said, feeding a baby. That's like a natural thing. But yeah, they supposedly did find the culprit, but the police were just like, yeah, we don't want to release their identity just because we want to protect them. Because, you know, if she does have problems like this, it wouldn't be fair. But she's going around shitting in lawns. I mean, she, how's she staying anonymous about it? I'm guessing like, you know, how you have like the ring cameras and stuff outside. It's just not getting a good picture of her face, I suppose. There was one that supposedly had just a good enough picture. So I'm pretty sure all the residents know who she is now. Because if someone got one good picture, it must have spread around. Yeah, because on that Ring app, you can share posts and stuff with your neighbors. But thank you for that uh, excellent article, Dan. Yeah, I call her the Brown Bomber. All right, so there's something else that you had down here that states that's a lot of kids. What is that? Oh, this was an article that I found about a Dutch man who fathered at least 550 kids by donating sperm, which he is now banned from doing so. Supposedly, the national guidelines in the Netherlands permit donors to father a maximum of 25 children with up to 12 mothers. That's a lot of kids. That is. But what he would do, he would go from one, I guess, sperm bank to the next, lying about how many times he has donated sperm. And he just went around to so many different ones and donated. And I'm guessing their systems aren't connected to where they track it. Do they pay you to take your jizz? How does that work? I have no idea, to be honest. I wonder if that was his motive. Hey, I'm getting paid to jerk it. Might as well, you know? I mean, it could be. But if he's not getting paid, he's probably just like, hey, I'm spreading my seed. I don't know. I was trying to think of the movie Road Trip where they all went to the sperm bank and I think they did get paid to do it. Let's look that up right quick. Do you get paid to jizz at bank? You do. On average, sperm donors are paid between 100 to 120 plus per donation visit. Donating one to two times per week, donors earn an average of $4,000 in six months. And this varies by location. And to think, I'm just giving mine away for free. <laughs> I'm doing this from now on. I mean, they did say the price varies by location and I guess by donor as well. So. Would you do it? No. I wouldn't. But could you imagine being in that room, though? How many people have done that in that room? Oh, God, that must be disgusting. You look up the wall. How many people have looked up the, at this piece of wall right now? Disgusting. I don't even want to imagine. I wouldn't even touch anything inside the room. You walk in there and floors are sticky. Jesus Christ. All right, well, you have anything else you want to add to strange news before we get into strange foods? I have no more strange news. All right. I know everybody's probably wondering what the hell strange foods. I figured we'd add this. I've been wanting to try roll mops. What are roll mops? Roll mops are a traditional European snack. It's particularly popular in Germany. And it's pickled herring that is rolled up with like a pickle in the middle and an onion. Okay? And it's held together with a skewer or a toothpick. And they put it in a jar. And it's supposedly really good. And as you know, I was having issues finding it here in the States. And you found it at your Asian market. I did. And I saw it and I was just like, you know what? I'm going to buy this for Aaron. As much as I don't want to, I'm going to. And uh, I figured I'd try it. I'm not looking forward to it. And this is not going to be a regular thing. So you cannot make requests in us trying nasty foods. Okay? This is just me wanting to try it out. Do you want to try some? Hell no. All right. Well, uh, hold on. Before I try these roll mops, okay? Because I'm pretty sure when I open them up, it's going to clear out the freaking room. Uh, do you want to talk about this whiskey you have? So this whiskey that I heard about was supposedly the nastiest tasting whiskey around. Supposedly they did tests with this whiskey. They tested it with 49 different guys multiple times, and only one person out of that 49 each time 
said they actually liked it. It's made in Chicago, and they just said, like, it is the worst whiskey ever. And I think it's, like, called, what's it called here? Jefferson or Jensen or something like that. It is called Jepson's Malort Liquor, made by the Charles Jepson Company. Mmm, that sounds tasty. Well, do you want to break that open while I break open this, and you can try the whiskey, and I'll try the herring? Sure. Okay. Dan's over there dropping stuff. Just looking at it has made me drunk. I gotta take off my headphones. Honestly, I don't look forward to you trying this role model at all. Hey, I'm the one trying it, and I don't look forward to it. it smells like whiskey. Honestly, it kind of smells sweet. God damn, how much are you drinking of it? Like half a shot right there. Okay, well giddy up. Oh god, this looks bad now. Oh god, that is terrible. Oh! What's so bad? Describe it. Describe the taste. Oh, the aftertaste is terrible. It's like ass. How do you know what ass tastes like? You told me. So, uh... (laughs) (laughs) Fucking dick. Oh my... Is it really that bad? Really, give it a taste. Give it a, a, a texture, a, a profile. Let's hear about it. I've Talk never about tasted it. anything so bad. You're, you suck as a whiskey reviewer. It doesn't have a flavor. Like, that's no flavor at all. That is just bland fucking nastiness. Give it a score from 1 out of 10. Fucking negative 10. So it's that bad? Yes, I think I wasted money trying this. All right, well, thank you for that nice whiskey review, Dan. Uh, what is it called again? Jepson's Malort Liquor. Oh my God, that taste won't go Go away. check that out if you're interested in having a nice liquor. I don't I gotta move my laptop so I don't spill none of this fish juice on it. So, here it is. Romops. It's gross. You can see like the, the scales of the fish. Look at that. So it still has the skin on it. It still has the skin. I'm not looking forward to this, but you know what? I don't want to spill it on my microphone. Hey, look at this. This is a nice hearty meal. I'm afraid I'm going to flick it out. Okay. I have to say, that is a big piece of herring right there. Almost just passed out. I was thinking it was like small little pieces on a... Hold on. What does it smell like? Mm, Motherfucker, that smells. All right. I can't even get this out. So I guess you're just going to try that little bit right there. I mean, I can't even get it out. And it's got wood in it, too. I guess that would be the toothpick. I mean, it smells like pickles. I like pickles. No. That might be the actual pickle in there, though. And the verdict is that he does not like it and is very bad. Is it everything you imagined? I still got the taste in my fucking mouth. It's on my fucking tongue and it won't go away. It's like a a slithery, slimy... Hold on. I would die before I ate that again. You want to try it? Hell no. I still got the taste of this whiskey in my tongue. Anyways, that's it for the episode today. I gotta go brush my teeth. I keep gagging because I can keep getting the taste. I want to thank you for joining us today. And again, thank you for your support. Uh, Love you all. Dan, you want to roll us out? Sure will. It's okay to be out of this world with your thoughts. Because you are not alone. Have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.